Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we have the pleasure of connecting with Aaron Jane. Aaron is the lead pastor of Coastline Church in Northern San Diego. Prior to pastoring, he helped start the Dream Center in Los Angeles with the founder, Matthew Barnett. Aaron has a passion to help people discover their God-given purpose for life, and he especially enjoys teaching about the power of God's grace. Lean in as he talks about the secret of John's leadership. Buckle up your leadership seatbelts and let's get started. We are back. Another episode of the Avail podcast where we talk about the art of leadership. I hope you're ready to learn, ready to grow. I got my music going. We have another amazing leader. He's a pastor. He's a Jesus follower. He is a leader who's making a big impact here in the States and also around the globe. None other than Pastor Aaron Jane. Aaron, it's good to have you here on the Avail podcast. How you feeling, brother? Rogelio, it is always a good day when you're in it. Any day with Rogelio is always going to be better a day without you. That's it. For those, I'm of, doing you, good. For those of you listening in on Avail or watching on YouTube, Aaron is using my Spanish name. Virgilio is my, my name in Spanish, Virgilio. And uh, Aaron and I have had the opportunity to serve pastors in Colombia together. We've also done it in Mexico recently together where we're equipping, encouraging, resourcing pastors. It's always fun to do that, uh, Aaron. I love I love your heart and your church's heart, uh, Coastline Church uh, in, in the North San Diego area. I love the heart that you have for missions and helping and serving pastors in Latin America. I don't even think I know what your American name is. <laughs> it's Virgil. <laughs> I also go by Virgil. Virgil. I just know you by your famous name yeah. in Colombia. My church when all the Pastor women chant your name. <laughs> hey, um, I- I'm excited for our Avail audience to kind of lean in and get yeah. to know you a little bit. Today, we're going to be talking about something interesting that, that applies to all of us as leaders the secret of John's leadership, speaking of, of the disciple, yeah. the apostle John. But before we get into yeah. that, Aaron, can you just share a little bit about yourself so our Avail audience can just get to know a little bit who is Aaron Jane? Yeah, I got thrown in the deep end of ministry at 19 years old. I was led to Christ by Tommy Barnett in Phoenix, Arizona. And I went to college with his son, Matthew Barnett. Me and Matthew were actually roommates in college. And right after I got saved, his dad came to me and said, hey, do you want to go to Los Angeles? and start a church with my son. And so me and Matthew at 19 and 20 years old, we dropped out of college, we moved to Los Angeles, and we began what is now known as the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And we had no idea what we were doing. We were 19 and 20. We had no experience with homelessness or gangs or, you know, street level drug addiction, nothing like that. And we always tell you the key to our success was failure. We made every mistake you could possibly (laughs) make until we figured out how to do it right. We just we just believed in trying. If there wasn't one way to do it, there were five other ways to get the job done. And so we went to Los Angeles with a heart to love people, to serve people, to make a difference, and just began serving people on the streets. Before we knew it, we had a, uh, you know, acquired the Queen of Angels Hospital, which was a series of miracles. And today there's over 900 people that live in the facility that have been taken in from gangs, drugs, homelessness, prostitution, feeding 30,000 people a week. The first five years, we saw homicide drop 73% wow. in the most dangerous gang war zone in Los Angeles. And the mayor of LA said it was the work we were doing in the community. So I was part of that for 16, almost 17 years. And then at 12 years ago, 
I got the opportunity. Uh, me and Matthew Barnett have talked about it for years, about me eventually one day pastoring in the San Diego area. Well, I had the opportunity to take over a church that had gone through a very, very difficult season. And they invited me to come 12 years ago and replant it into a life-giving, hmm. thriving church in the San Diego area that now we've got incredible ministry happening in the Tijuana area, all throughout San Diego, through our very own uh, Dream Center in the North San Diego area area. And so it's just been an incredible journey of learning how to lead, uh, making lots and lots of mistakes, learning a lot of ways where it doesn't work and figuring out ways that it does. And so I, I'd say I was, you know, I was thrown into the fire, I was thrown into the deep end, and I had to figure out leadership quickly through making lots and lots and lots of mistakes. <laughs> well, learning. yeah, well, you know, I think I think that's one of the beautiful things about all of our journeys is that none of them look the same. But in the yeah. process, the Lord is working. And, and I've been a witness to, to how the Lord, you know, has been using you even to inspire and encourage, um, you know, pastors in another continent. Um, and yeah. that's, that's been awesome. So I, I want to get into this conversation, uh, um, Aaron. We talk, we talk predominantly to Christian leaders, right? Pastors, ministry leaders, Christians who are leading in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, and there's, some, there's a message that God's put on your heart that there's just, just a – it resonates with mm -hmm. so many, I think with everybody, but, but I think there's a, there's a key application specifically in leadership. We're, we're calling it the secret of John's leadership. Um, and it's really that perspective of, of, of John, the apostle, John, the disciple, and the way that yeah. he led as compared to somebody else. Right. So, so can you just unpack this? Just, let's just get the conversation going on, on the secret of John's leadership. Yeah, for me, it's it's a message that not just helped my leadership, but it actually saved my life. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Wow. Every human being, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're in a pursuit of what we know as Christians is righteousness. You want to feel right. You yeah. want to feel complete. You want to feel like you matter. You want to feel like you're worthwhile. It is a pursuit of righteousness. The question is, what makes you feel centered? What makes you feel like you have value, like you have worth, that you are complete? Well, for many people, it's achievement. It's how much can I achieve? How successful can I become? And so we drive and we drive and we drive and we work hard so that we can get ahead and we work hard so that we can achieve and we develop leadership skills and strategies and systems so that we can grow our churches, grow our businesses, grow our careers so that we could advance because the higher we climb on the ladder, the more we feel like we are achieving a sense of righteousness, achieving mm -hmm. a sense of while of, of being complete, which is a very weak motivation that leads you into deep insecurity because it's built on factors that you cannot control. Mm -hmm. And anytime you build your life on something you can't control, you're building on sand because you can't control the elements. You can't control when a storm comes and if the right. house is going to get washed away. And so we want to build on a solid rock. And you see that in the life of the disciple John. And to really understand this, you got to contrast it with Peter mm -hmm. and look at Peter's leadership motivation or his leadership drive. And yeah. then you look at John's leadership drive. Both of them wanted to be righteous. They both wanted to be right with God, right with Jesus, complete. Uh, they both wanted to have value and feel like what they were doing made a difference. So Peter's approach to leadership, his approach to Jesus, his call it approach to pastoring or, or leading a business was built in three simple words. I love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I love you. 
I'll die for you. I'll fight for you. I'll go to the end with you. If everyone else betrays you, I'll never betray you. I love you. Well, as a result, we all know the story. Peter was weak. He was insecure. He betrayed Christ. He failed. He abandoned Jesus. Uh, In his greatest moment of need, he wasn't there. Now, contrast that with John's secret to leadership. John's leadership, uh, if you study the gospel, four, five times actually in the gospel, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. All five times it's talking about John, the disciple. Now, I used to believe that John was the favorite. I used to believe that Jesus loved him more than he loved all the others until you discover who wrote it. You only see that in the Gospel of John. John. Matthew, Mark, Luke never wrote that. John Mm -hmm. actually wrote that about himself. And John never said he was the favorite. He never said that Jesus loved him more than the others. He simply recognized a truth. And so John's approach was different. Peter was, I love Jesus. John's approach to leadership was Jesus loves me. You see, John rested in the love that Jesus had for him. As a result, think about this. John was the only disciple at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. That's right. Everyone betrayed him as a coward, left him. John was there because John didn't build his identity on how much he did for Jesus or how much he loved Jesus. His strength rested in how much Jesus loved him. That is a rock. Hmm. That is unchanging. That is something that that you can build your life on that will never, ever. How much I love Jesus changes day to day because I'm human and I fail and I make mistakes. And if I try to base my leadership on on trying to earn his approval and loving him and showing him how good I am, I will always feel insecure. I will always feel like I'm not enough. I will drive myself. I'll drive the people around me. I'll drive my family into the ground. I create a very, very unhealthy environment because I'm building it on a foundation that I can't control. I can't can't control how much I love God. I'm not superhuman. Hmm. Like I will have a bad day. I will sin. I will make mistakes. I will fall short. And so if my righteousness is based on my performance as a leader, I will never feel like I'm successful as a leader. And I will always either drive myself into the ground, drive my family into the ground, or drive my staff into the ground in this pursuit of feeling righteous. But if I build my leadership on the fact that God already adores me, he already loves me, he's already given me everything I need, now I can work hard without driving myself into the ground because I'm working hard not to earn righteousness from God, not to earn a level of success from God. I work hard because I'm already successful. I'm already blessed. I'm already loved. I'm God's son. He adores me. He's given me everything I need. So I can work incredibly hard, but it's not hard work to earn. It's hard work because of what I already have. And it's just a different foundation and motivation to hard work. Yeah. I love this conversation because I think for some of us, for a lot of us leaders and pastors, especially if we've been in ministry for a long time, a lot of times it stems from what we grew up in, what what we yeah. learned, how, how we perceive God, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive ministry. And I think that this is a very important conversation because there's a sense of, there's a sense of, wait a second, but I love Jesus. And there's a sense of kind of self encouragement, even, even pride, maybe in the good sense of, I love Jesus, but there's something, there's something weak in that argument. Um, 
We all want a scorecard. Right. We want a scorecard. We want to know where we stand. We want to know how good we're doing. And the truth is you do have a scorecard, but Jesus played the round for you. And you're walking around with Jesus's scorecard. So if Jesus played golf, his score would be 18 because he's perfect. He would hit 18 hole in once. <laughs> so you're literally walking around with a scorecard that says 18 and you don't deserve it. Like, and, and the challenge is, you know, you don't deserve it. Like I right. didn't shoot an 18 yet. God, the father is looking at me and treating me like I shot an 18. Mm. So how do I get to the place where I can rest in the fact that I'm carrying around a perfect scorecard? A right. scorecard that was given to me by Christ that I don't have to earn. I don't have to perform for. As a result, I want to honor God. Hmm. And, I, and I work hard for God. And I work hard to lead well and lead from a healthy place because of what he's given me. Not because I'm trying to get a good score, but because I have a good score, I want to lead well. I mean, think about the Sabbath principle, for example. Mm-hmm. Most people won't Sabbath. Right. Because we're trying to prove to God how hard we work or how much we do for him. Because at the end of the day, we say it's all God's, but we live like it's ours. Mm -hmm. So how do I lead my church, lead my business, lead my family, lead my company as if it's really God's and not mine? Well, I work hard for six days and I rest on seven. Right. Because God can do more in my company, more in my business, more in my church with six days of my hard work than I can do with seven days of my hard work. So you got a choice. You can work hard for seven days and it's all on you. Or you can work hard for six days and it's all on God. It's just a principle we see throughout Scripture of operating from a place of rest. So, I mean, this makes so much sense. I I would venture to say we're talking about the secret of John's leadership. And I think nobody disagrees with what you're explaining about John and what you're explaining about Peter. Yet I feel like there there's a tendency to be so much more on the Peter side, on the side of, wait a second, I love Jesus and not. Why is this so hard, Aaron? Why why is it so hard even for even for pastors and leaders who've been walking, you know, in the gospel for 30, 40, 50 years? Like, why is it so challenging? This Because we only understand half of the cross. Okay. I would say the biggest problem in Christianity today is we only understand 50% of the cross, 50% of what Jesus did for us. We've not stepped into the second half of the cross, the second 50% of what Jesus did. We don't really understand it. It's not taught a lot today. Uh, it doesn't make sense because as a human being, we're naturally hardwired for religion. We're naturally programmed to work hard to receive. Um I call it the theology of two substitutions. Second Corinthians 5.21, to him who knew no sin became sin for us. That's 50% of the cross right there. Jesus took your place. Jesus went to the cross. He took all of your sin upon himself, and he paid for all of that sin so that you could be forgiven. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely amazing what Jesus did. Unfortunately, that's where we stop. That's that's really the only part of the cross most Christians today understand is that Jesus died to forgive all my sins. But that's only 50 percent of what he died for. Mm. It's only half of what he went to the cross for. The second half of Second Corinthians 521, there's a so that he who knew no sin became sin. So that so that the second 50 percent, the second half of the cross could be accomplished. We might become the righteousness of God. Mm hmm. 
Second half of the cross is God takes all of the righteousness that Jesus earned by living a perfect life, and he puts it on us. Mm. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus deserved it. He didn't deserve sin. He was perfect. Mm -hmm. But God took all of our sin and put it on him. We don't deserve his righteousness, but it doesn't matter. God takes all of his righteousness and he puts it on us. He forgives us of all of our sin, cleanses us, and then he puts the robe of righteousness around us. And the rest of our life, God the Father treats us the way Jesus Christ deserves to be treated because God treated him the way we deserve to be treated. And I think if people could meditate on the gospel, if they could really come to terms with what the full gospel is, that the fullness of the cross, not mm -hmm. half of the cross, right? but the fullness, we call it the two substitutions. The first substitution, Jesus took our place. The second substitution, we take his place. It changes everything about leadership. It changes everything about faith. It changes everything about your prayer life because you begin to operate from a foundation of security, an unchanging foundation, God's love for me. That is unchanging. Yeah. That cannot be, that is perfect. That is solid. That is a rock. My love for God is sand. It's sand because it's built on my performance. <laughs> my performance will never be good enough. Right. On the very best day I ever live on planet earth, on my best day ever, the very best day of my life, when I mm. obey perfectly, get through an entire day without sin, I still don't even compare it to, to a millionth of a millionth of a millionth of a fraction of the mm -hmm. glory of God. Mm -hmm. So on my best day, do I really think I'm good enough? Like, I'm not even good enough on my best day. I love what Isaiah says. He goes, all of your righteousness is like filthy rags. Yeah, he doesn't rags. say all of your wickedness is filthy rags. He says the very best things you've ever done in your life, the greatest things you've ever done in your life, the times you've honored God the most with your life are but filthy rags in comparison to who mm. God is. So it's like, I can't win if I base it on me. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's something that comes, a thought that comes to my mind, Aaron, there, there's a moment where this, this theology came real to you. This, this secret yeah. of John's leadership became real to you. There's a, there's a moment in Aaron Jane's walk personally, ministry as a pastor, you know, ministry leader, there's a moment where this kind of hit you in a good mm -hmm. sense kind of awakened you to wait a second i've been doing it like this not realizing that maybe this is the way what what changed in aaron jane's pastorate and leadership yeah. and what changed in you yeah. when you began to embrace the secret of john's leadership Christian leaders around the world are taking advantage of their free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. After all, each one of us should be taking the next step in our leadership journey. When you sign up for a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal, you'll enjoy interviews, articles, resources, and much more. For more information and to get subscribed today, visit availjournal.com. Well, the description is it goes from your heart, your head to your heart. You got to get the gospel from your head, from intellectual knowledge mm -hmm. to, to heart transformation, where, where, where you experience, you know, like God says, taste and see that is good. I can explain to you what honey tastes like, but if you've never tasted honey, you don't know how sweet it is. Mm -hmm. And I can give you all the science. I can give you all the head knowledge for why it is sweet. Right. And I can give you all, all the, you know, the, the mental knowledge of why it's sweet. But until you taste and see, tasting is experiencing it. 
And I actually experienced this about 12 years ago. Now, to get a little personal, maybe make some of you uncomfortable uh, with some of my past and background, I struggled with a very severe sex addiction for over 20 years. Wow. And half of that time, I was a pastor and in full-time ministry. Mm. And the reason I was working so hard in full-time ministry is because of my secret sin, mm. because I felt like I had to work really... It's part of why I went to Los Angeles. I, I felt like I'll, I'm going to do the most extreme thing I can do for God. Wow. I'll go work with gang members and homeless people because I had this secret sin that I was trying to balance the scale. And I thought if I worked hard enough for God, that maybe he'd accept me when I die and let me into heaven because I knew I was broken. Yeah, I knew I was a sinner and I was in bondage and I couldn't change. And I tried everything. I did everything uh, in religion, Christian religion possible. I thought if I prayed more, if I read sure. my Bible more, if I work harder, if I do more, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And then one day, it was Romans 5, 17. It says, to him who receives a super abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Righteousness is a noun, not a verb. Righteousness is not what you do. It's who you are. It's a gift that you receive because of what Christ did. It says, to him that receives a super abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life. They will be victorious. They'll overcome sin. They'll overcome addiction. They'll I was not reigning in life. I was wow. not victorious as a Christian. Right. I was in bondage. But when I began to realize God's grace over my life, that even when I was looking at porn, I was righteous. Hmm. I didn't feel righteous. I felt like a sinner. I felt worthless. I, I, I was totally ashamed. I felt dirty. Right. When I realized that the gift of righteousness was on, our, on my life, not because of what I was doing, but because of what Jesus was doing. One of the things I like to say is what you believe determines how you behave or determines what you do. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe I, I was righteous. I believed I was a sinner. And because I believed I was a sinner and I believed I was dirty, I acted like a sinner and I acted like I was dirty. When I began to believe that I was righteous, when I began to believe righteousness was a gift and that there was a super abundant provision of grace over my life, I began to live righteously, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Right. This is what Hebrews 8 says. In the old covenant, God took the law and he wrote it on tablets of stone and you had to obey. In the new covenant, God takes the law and he writes it on hearts of flesh where it's not something you have to obey. It becomes your natural desire. It becomes your It becomes who you are. The more I began to believe in my identity in Christ, the more I began to believe that I was righteous, that I was forgiven, yeah. that I was accepted, that I was worthy, it transformed my heart where I didn't, it was, it's not about, like I tell, I tell the guys that I work with, it's not about having the willpower to say no to pornography. It's about God changing your appetite and desire where you don't, you're not hungry for pornography anymore. That's the goal of the new covenant. When you begin to believe that you are righteous yes, and, and you allow that, that mentality to come over you, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16 says Jesus will send the Holy Spirit to convict believers of righteousness because it's the hardest thing for any of us to believe is that we're righteous. Every time right. we fail, I don't need the Holy Spirit to supernaturally believe I'm a sinner. I can do that just great all on my own. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit to supernaturally help me believe that I am righteous because that's the hardest thing for me to believe. Right. But when I believe it, it changes my heart. It changes my desire. Like Paul says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. When we awaken to who we are in Christ, it changes our appetite and desires. And that's the power of this experience 
when you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to impress it on your heart. Yeah, I love this conversation. Um, by the way, thank you for being vulnerable as a pastor and as a leader and, and sharing kind of what you walked through for 10 years as a pastor, right? Yeah. And, 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 I, and, I, and to be honest, I don't think, I, I think there's a lot of pastors and leaders who might, if they were honest and vulnerable, say, hey, I'm struggling with some sin, some hidden sin as well. And I think, I think your example is so true. Sometimes when you have that, you feel like you have to work harder to now that's why know, i was peter i worked hard like peter because right. of my sin right right so <clears throat> there there was a clear before and after change for you how, how you approach god how you approach ministry um probably how you approach even family and, and your relationships just just by yeah. tapping into the secret of john's leadership which which is living from the position not of i love jesus so look at all things i do but the position of jesus loves me look at look at all he's yeah. done and you alluded to right now one, one of my overseers is pastor alan platt from uh doxadeo mm. church city changers in in uh, south africa and he wow. he says identity precedes activity yeah. um which is, i think i think is the same sense of what of what you're explaining That's a great how, phrase. you know what we believe determines how we act and and what we believe about ourselves my identity will precede my activity. Um, yeah. I think, I think I'd love for you to just touch on as pastors and leaders, not only is this important for us to grasp for us, but why do you think that Christians need to hear this? Why do you think that people, um, whether they're new believers, you know, whether they're, they're veteran yeah. believers, why do you think it's important for people to understand God's grace and the implications of it? Well, it's because the number one weapon of Satan is lies. Satan cannot touch you or anybody in your church. All he can do is lie to you. Right. If you believe the lie, you end up hurting yourself on his behalf. So we've got to combat the lies with truth. And the lies that Satan uses predominantly over people's life is shame, guilt. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not doing enough. Nobody loves you. God doesn't love you. God's disappointed mm. in you. That is what, like at pastoring for 20-something years, that's what he bombards people's minds with continually. And so I've got to constantly wash people's mind with the word, with, with grace, with, mm -hmm. with helping them say, okay, listen, yeah, you're not perfect. None of us are. But God loves you. Because I know the more I can get people to accept God's love for them, the more they can accept their righteousness, forgiveness, acceptance, the more it's going to change the behavior. Now, there are a lot of pastors scared of this teaching because they think you're giving people a license to sin. You're giving people the ammunition yes. to go look. At the last time I checked, people didn't need a license to sin. People sin pretty easily on their own without a license. I mean, they just, you know, they enjoy it. What the, the difference between like a so-called holiness preacher, which I, I don't like calling them holiness preachers because I think that's a misinterpretation of the word holiness. But the difference between a so-called holiness preacher and a so-called grace preacher they both hate sin and they both desperately want to lead their flock, their people out of sin. They just have a radically different approach. Right. One person puts all the work on the person. The other person puts all the work on Christ. And so who's the work on is really what it comes down to. And so I've realized as a pastor, my job on Sunday is not to teach people how to live the Christian life, but to show people how beautiful Jesus is. Because Paul says, when I behold him in his glory, I'm transformed into his image. 
So if I want people living like Jesus, I need to reveal how beautiful he is. I need to show people his grace and beauty and mercy. And so in every message, whatever I'm teaching with parenting, marriage, I try to reveal the beauty of his grace behind every message so that they have the power, they have the fuel to do it. It's not just here's some principles, but here's the principles and here's the gasoline. Here's the fuel to actually accomplish the principles. So grace is not the ABC of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. Mm. It's not how you begin the race. It's how you run the race. It's how you finish the race. We never, that's what Paul said in Galatians 3. Why did you start this race with grace and then walk away from it? Now you're trying to earn it. Now you're trying to do it in your own ability and your own effort. No, no, no. Come back. Come back. We run the entire race in his grace and strength. And that was the secret John had. Yeah, I think one of the things that I that I love, I, I love that this challenges all of us to think, regardless of where pastor or leader, regardless of where you find yourself, uh, <laughs> ministry-wise, doctrinally, regardless of where you grew up, even doctrinally, yeah. I think this is a good challenging uh, kind of call to think about what is my approach, A, in my relationship to God, to him, what is my approach to God, what is my approach to how I do ministry, my approach to how how I share and preach the gospel. I think it's good for us to, I think there's some good, there's some good things that happen when we get uncomfortable. And you just mentioned uh, Aaron yeah. about how there, there might be some pastors or leaders who have a problem with some of these thoughts and ideas. And, and I think it's important to talk about it, to debunk maybe the, the, the why, you know, those problems. where we've got to get honest as leaders, we can do all the right things, but for the wrong motivation, right? And that's incredibly dangerous as a pastor because you'll end up abusing your sheep unintentionally if you're doing all the right things with the wrong motivation. That was the older brother in the story of the prodigal. Right. Like if, you, if you really study the prodigal story, the older brother was the prodigal, not the younger. Wow. Jesus was speaking to an audience that represented the older brother, not an audience that represented the younger brother. Both boys were lost. Both boys were away from the father. One was lost in, in the bad things he was doing. The other was lost in the good things he was doing. He was doing good to manipulate and control the father. How often do we do good things to manipulate and control God? Ouch. To manipulate and control our, you know, we're doing the right thing. Right. We're doing it for the wrong reasons. I, the other night, the, the other night in my prayer time, I was just sitting back and I was just being grateful for my life. I had a moment of gratitude, pure, genuine gratitude. And then all of a sudden this thought crossed my mind, you know, God loves gratitude people and he blesses grateful people. And then I, I found myself trying to manipulate Jesus by being grateful so that he would bless me more. And I'm like, how deceitful is my heart that I'm doing the right thing, yeah. but how quickly it turns to the wrong motivations for doing the right thing. <laughs> I love this. And so we constantly have to analyze our motivation, our heart motivation. Why are we doing yeah. it? Yeah, I love this conversation because I think it's going to cause a lot of pastors to think. And by the way, thinking yeah. is a good thing. You know, evaluating, mm -hmm. assessing, processing. Um, this is great, Aaron. I, you know, we're, we're kind of hitting the final stretch here. Um, you know, we're talking the secret of John's leadership. We're talking about the importance of understanding God's grace, our approach to him, our approach to leading and, and pastoring, you know, what, what would you say to a, what would you say to a pastor, for example, who says, man, I just give up. I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm done. Uh, or a leader who says, you know, I, I've tried to do it. You know, nothing's working, you know, kind of, you know, feeling burnt out, feeling, feeling, yeah. 
like I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm done. What would you say? Look at Ruth chapter two and Ruth chapter three. The the book of Ruth is the most beautiful picture of grace. You have a woman who is a Moabitess. Moabitess are not allowed in the family of God, period. Like they're not allowed in the temple. Like Leviticus has all these laws against Moabite women and Moabite people. Hmm. So she's disqualified from the beginning. A lot of people teach the book of Ruth that she was obedient. She worked hard and that's why God blessed her. No, no, no. God didn't bless her for any other reason, but his grace and his grace alone. She was disqualified from the very beginning of the book because she was a Moabite woman. Hmm. Ruth chapter two, she works all day long in the fields. She sweats, she toils. She works extremely hard in her own effort, in her own ability. And she walks away with, uh, uh, I think it was one ephah of barley Hmm. all day long in, in her own effort. It's either one or two. Uh, Chapter three, she lays at the feet of Boaz. Boaz is a picture of Jesus. He's the redeemer in the story. She lays at his feet. She doesn't drop one drop of sweat, doesn't toil, doesn't work. She walks away with six ephahs of barley. There's a beautiful contrast there. In our hard work, we can only accomplish so much. At the feet of Jesus, our work is multiplied. Now, I believe in working hard. Yeah but for the right motivations. And so we, we work hard, but we carry his yoke because his yoke is light and his yoke is easy. And so I'd say if you're, if you're at the place of giving up, tired, burnout, that's a good place to be because you should. You need to give up and give it to Jesus and let him carry the load and you operate in his strength. And I know that sounds very cliche and learning how to do that is, is not always easy because right. we're human, but We've got to try. And, we, and, and I think one of the best ways to learn how to do this is Sabbath. You know, we don't Sabbath because we're tired. We Sabbath so we don't get tired. Right. That's why Sabbath is the first day of the week. I mean, look at the way God designed day. Uh, you go back to Genesis chapter one. It was evening. It was morning the first day. It was evening. It was morning the first day. We, as, as, as modern Western people, look at the beginning of the days when we wake up. The Hebrews didn't look at it that way. No. Uh. They look that day at nighttime. So how do you begin your day? Totally rested, totally asleep with God working on your behalf. So we begin our day doing nothing productive. We begin our day totally asleep with God moving on our behalf. Then we wake up and we partner with God. Like he built grace into the rhythm of how things should work. And so we need to get back to the mentality of looking at the beginning of our day at night. Yeah. And the instead of the beginning of our day in the morning. That's so good. Hey, this has been good. We could probably be here for another couple hours talking about all this, uh, but our time, we're coming to end here, uh, Aaron, but I I love it because I think we're challenging pastors and leaders to think and maybe think a little differently. Um, Here's what I want to do. How can can, uh, leaders, our Avail audience connect with you? How can they find you online? Well, I I would say go to our church website. I don't have a a personal website. Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's it's I serve my church and I'm a part of the local church. And, and you can find me at coastlinechurch.org. I'm obviously on Instagram. You can always find me on Instagram. But but really, our church is the main center of, of who I am. Very good. Coastlinechurch.org. Coastlinechurch is in North San Diego in California. You can also find him at at Aaron Jane. That's Aaron with two A's at the beginning. And then Jane with a Y and an E at the end, man, this is good. Uh, I always tell people, Aaron, that 
as a leader, you want to tap into resources that are going to help you. Obviously, God's word is our main yes. resource, but we also have other resources. Yep. We have the Avail Journal. The Avail Journal is a premier Christian leadership magazine, chock full of resources, articles, content. It's going to help you on your leadership journey. If you haven't tapped into it, leader, availjournal.com, you can claim a free annual subscription. First year's on us. Availjournal.com comes out quarterly. Uh, would you agree, Aaron, that's good to have resources as a leader? You know, at the end of the day, God can only use out of you what you have put inside of you. Come on. There's a lot that God wants to do through you, but if you don't fill the toolbox up, then there's not a lot God can do. And yeah. that's why I love things like the Avail Leadership Guide, uh, the podcast, everything else, because the more tools I put in the toolbox, the more God's grace can move through me in incredible ways. That's so good. That's so good. Final nugget. Final nugget for all the leaders here on Avail. What do you yeah. want to leave on their hearts? Uh, to wrap up everything, let's go back to the words of John. First John chapter four, he said, this is love. Like he's given us this definition of love. And I love this. Not that we love God. <laughs> this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave his son for us. Rest in that. Meditate in that because that's love that will never let you down. That's so good. What a great note to end on. Uh, Aaron, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilburg, the whole Avail team, we just want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for leading well, for pastoring well. We honor you. We bless you and your family, and we thank you for everything you're doing for the kingdom. Love you, Virgil. <laughs> hey, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation, another leadership jewel for your leadership and your growth. Remember, we have a new episode every Tuesday right here on the Avail podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages, and I'm your host for these weekly podcasts right here on Avail. Where we talk about the art of leadership. Catch you next time right here on Avail. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Aaron Jane. You can connect with Aaron on Instagram and also at coastlinechurch.org. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast. 